Warning, this episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru's Hang. I'm your host, Jose Johnson, and our guest today has to be one of the happiest guys I've ever known, the one and only Trent Austin. Trent has been described as a renaissance man, but don't say that too loud around him. He's a gifted trumpet player, an educator, a mouthpiece designer, and a great salesman, and I say that in the best way possible. Trent is as quick with a smile and a joke as he is on rhythm changes, and he is one of the most genuine people you will ever meet. So pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. All right, my guest for this week's episode is the one and only Mr. Trent Austin. What's going on, Trent? Not much. How you doing, brother? Woo, man. You know, I uh, <laughs> like like most of us, we are just uh, yeah doing it day by day. So yeah. I'm just I'm so glad to have you here because yeah. if there's one person that can make me smile, it's always you. Oh, thanks, man. Hopefully it's not cry. So, <laughs> so it, it's usually, you know, tears from jealousy, man. When I hear you play, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's he's got he's got it all. How can one person be so blessed and, and so lucky? Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> Lots of smoke and mirrors, for sure. Hey, you know, uh, trumpet player's the best friend. So anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to jump into the hang here, and uh, you know, I see you got your tea, and I've I've got today. Yep. I'm 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 doing a little bit of uh, rum because I'm imagining that I'm at, at a beach somewhere. That's right. Uh, anywhere but my living room. But uh, our living rooms are getting smaller and smaller by the day. It's like I was talking to my wife last night, and you know, it takes you back to like when we first got married. We had um, maybe a 500 square foot apartment. Yeah, you know, it was just Boston. It was one of those things that it was like, this is all we could afford. And uh, I was like, man, I think we would have killed each other by then. You know, if we were living there, I doubt, my hat goes out to anybody who has a small place. One of my oh. friends who lives in Boston, she's like, how do you, how am I supposed to do it? And I, I sent her a link to one of my guilty pleasure purchases, which is uh, a, a great pair of noise canceling headphones. And I said, get those because you will thank me because it cuts out all the noise and it's not you know it's not that people grade on each other but it's just the fact that someday sometimes you just need that peace and the fact that i could put those headphones on now and just listen to an album which another luxury of being in this universe is the fact that i never used to nobody listens to albums anymore anyway right like it's like, oh, I listen to this clip on YouTube and this clip on YouTube and this off Spotify. And now I've been just taking time to like turn on an album, uh, either turntable or through my uh, headphones and just, just sort of a meditation, but more yeah. of just like, it reminds you of all the good that was going on prior to maybe a few months ago, because it will come back for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because... Um, you know, we, we kind of got into this fast paced life, you know, we're just, you know, do, 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 do. And, and, uh, you know, with the music, you know, so much of it, the streaming and, and yeah. you, you pop down a track. And, um, yeah, I just remember as, as a kid, 
definitely, you know, the experience of listening to music, you know, where you, you would get the album. And I remember taking, you know, take the shrink wrap off and reading the liner notes. And we are dating ourselves a little bit there, so we might not want to go any further because- uh, I crank up the old Victrola, you know. Yeah, <laughs> The, what was that game that you played with the cans and the yeah. telephone or whatever? Yeah. Um, you mentioned something right there that's funny because it's like another, I think this is going to be another plus from all of this. You know, in the world of like everything was prime and I own my own business. So it's like everybody wanted stuff like instantaneously. It, right. And it is an instantaneous world. That's like, we want to do all these things quickly, yet a lot of things take time. And I think a couple of days ago, my wife was going to order something on Amazon. We try not to order on Amazon just because, you know, we want to support small business, but this, right. we can't get anywhere. So it's like now yeah. if the small businesses don't ship. Um, so she was ordering something and it was April 10th. I think she ordered and they said estimated delivery May 10th. And it's like, wow. <laughs> and now we're not really in the booms, you know, we're right. only 10 minutes from Kansas city. So it's not like, we're not like in the middle of nowhere, but um, that was a, that was one way it was like a real shock because everything's like prime. Yeah. You get it now or you get it in a day or they can send a drone and they'll drop your food in two hours. Now it's like, maybe this is a blessing in disguise because you can have patience on things because everybody's in a hurry. We're all in this hurry to do everything, be it that thing, be it the health thing be it anything, we're in such a hurry to get stuff done. We cannot take a step back and just, okay, where are we? What are we doing? Let's evaluate what's going on. Let's try to figure this out. Let's, let's take, you know, take some time. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got to think about it that way. I, I think for me, I'm trying to be a glass is half full guy. Um, I noticed your glass was not half full. So you need to work uh, it, on that. It, yeah, it was, it was full full at one point. And it, it's just, it's half full right now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I, we're all doing the countdown. So um, my caskers order is not here yet. So. Oh man. No, oh, I've, got, man. We've, I've got surplus. And in every <laughs> regard to my life, there's surplus. But I'm very, very lucky for uh, it was funny. I was talking to your friend Terry this morning, and I said to Terry, because Terry's talking about making your, you know, planting a garden, which is a great right. idea, of course. Yeah. Um, and I said, Terry, this is the one time in my life that I'm actually happy that I have that surplus. So it's like I can, I've got a few months on me. We'll hey, so you're built for survival. I don't know about that. <laughs> number one in Zombieland is uh, cardio. So oh well, that, that that's true too. But you know, that's one of the things I always loved about you, Trent, is that you always uh, kind of exuded this uh, optimistic side. Uh, like your viewpoint seemed to be like, you know, hey, you know, let, let's have fun with this. Let's let's find the good in it, and uh, I think it served you really well. So uh, kudos to you for that, man. Crossed fingers crossed. What else can you do? I mean, yes, I'm. You know, it's, and this is where the danger lies being at home, where you could do two things, I think, that are very bad. There's so many other things you could do that'd be very good. Yeah. Um, read a book, meditate, exercise, practice. practice. But, but we, go to, we go to other things maybe instead. We go to, you know, Fox News, CNN, whatever you watch for your media outlet. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. That's Tiger King. 
Yeah, I, you know, I can't get there yet. So and yeah, me either. I, I'm not there yet. My friends are texting me saying, "No, Tiger King," and I was like, "Dude, you know, I just finished Peaky Blinders. So let me, let me, let me watch something cool." <laughs> hey, I used to live down in Tennessee. Uh, I, I had my my fellow redneck goofy oh, people down there, so it's just down the block. Now. Yeah, <laughs> being a guy from New England, it's like a kind of a shock, and it's a wonderful thing. But uh, you know. We were rednecks in, in Maine, so don't get me wrong. Uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle Dad. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, but um, I think the, the, one of the things I see, and I even see myself doing it, is, and just the past few days I've decided not to really watch the news. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not ignoring the news. Like I do find my sources of news that I trust. Um, but I'm not like going on to that network all the time and going, oh, oh, the world is going to end. Right. You know, okay. Then the second thing I don't do is like you go on Facebook or I call it soapbox book now. Yeah. Um, where everybody is not only a CDC specialist, but they're also, you know, they're also in politics. They're, you know, in office. They're serving their community, of course, right. because that's their, their stance. I feel like maybe one of these things, I mean, if, if the world does truly change and maybe things like my business doesn't survive, then definitely what I will do is put my life towards public service in some way. I don't know right. what that will be. I don't know how that will be. Maybe it's, maybe it's a better thing to do anyways. I don't know. Nobody really knows, you know, the, the long-term uh, thing ramifications, but back to the original point, it's like, if I, only stayed in that box of MSNBC, Fox News, CNBC, I don't care, whatever they, whatever they want to call themselves, and then Facebook. And there's a lot of good on Facebook too, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm trying to snooze anybody who, who does political things. I don't care their party. I yeah. don't. Because it's like we need to lift everyone up in a moment like this where yeah. everybody everybody's depressed i mean i don't care how strong you are mentally how strong you are i mean you know how good your support system is everybody's got everybody's got it i mean it's like almost like a ptsd moment's going to happen if we're in doors or not able to like make music with friends or you know hang with people or work out with friends and things like this things that we that our lives are built on Hmm. Yeah. What's gonna happen? And yeah. and so I choose to do the I choose to do the opposite. Like I'm trying to record myself every day. I'm trying right. to post some stuff online. Um, I always post pictures of my dogs. Okay, my dogs have the best attitude in life. One, you walk into the house after a long day. You might have had the worst shitty day party. Pardon me. Um, I'll break that ice right there. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, you might have had a terrible day. That dog looks at you and is like, "Man, I've been like waiting for you to come home." this is the best moment of my day. And it reminds you that, Hey, that's a good attitude. Just like before you take them for a walk, they take the time to stretch. They take the time to, you know, prepare themselves for what they're about to do. Now that could be turned into this, or it could be turned into a practicality of, you know, real life. I mean, you know, but that's, that's what I choose to do. Just, just try not to sniff other people's butts. That's probably the one thing that you want to try to avoid as much as possible. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, and, and honestly, if that's the way you want to be, of course, you know, people are mad, they're frustrated, they're upset. Um, I feel like I don't know enough to, 
on the full spectrum of the whole side of things to be upset. I mean, I'm sad. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm very upset. I can't hang with my staff. I love my guys and yeah. I can't work with customers. Like I'm sure you feel the same way with what you do. It's like, yeah, you know, we're, we are, we're both involved with enriching people's lives. And right. it's like the fact that you can't do that. That's the worst part. I, and literally, I, monetary, whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, money is money. You, you don't take it with you when you when you enter the coffin or get cremated. It's like, um, but that's that feeling of you know, of you know, worth. What's your yeah. feeling of worth? And how do you build that feeling of worth? And the way you can give to other people during a time like this. Yeah. Well, you know, in general, that attitude, I think, is very much a part of what makes uh, a musician or any other artist so driven mm. is, you know, if, if you're in it for the money, this probably is not the thing that you want to do, particularly being a trumpet player. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's that desire to make a difference to, yeah. you know, through your music, to touch people's lives, you know, through your, your teaching, to uh, in, encourage and inspire a new generation of people. Right. You know, that's the stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's your legacy. You know, right. the, you know, the houses, those are going to go away. But, you know, if, if you've, you know, you think about the people that have been, instrumental in your development. I know one of the people that, that you talk about a lot is somebody that I have, I, I love Clark Terry. Oh, good. I, 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 yeah, I think, and, and I think you, you remind me of CT in so many ways, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, uh, I always tell people, yeah, especially younger players who have never heard him. Mm. I'm like, you got to listen to him. Not only is the guy just got, chops out the wazoo but to me he was the epitome of an artist in that uh, I, I believe that an artist's job is to take what they're thinking and feeling and express it in a way that is replicated in other people you know so you're just you know if you want if you're happy you want them to be happy if you're sad you want to be sad and Clark his playing matched his personality yes. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a direct connection. And, you know, it's like one of the things, thank you for that compliment. I will never, ever be remotely close. Clark's my hero. So it's like, um, Clark is definitely the best trumpet. I've hung with a lot of great trumpet players. I've been very lucky to do that. I'm sure you have as well. Um, and I've studied with a lot of great trumpet players. Clark's the best trumpet player I've ever met. I mean, he if he, if he wanted to be like, you know, uh, virtuoso, you know, classical musician, he could have done it because he had the best embouchure you'll ever see. That's what I tell mm -hmm. all my students is just watch him play. Just watch him play. He enters a world that's not in the present, in the, in, in sort of a, you know, a physical sense. It's almost like he's just transcending through the instrument. It's, it's, yeah. it's uncanny. But the, the thing about Clark, and he was the best man I've ever met too. Um, you know, literally what he would have done for me, he did so much. And I know he did so much for so many people. The person that reminds me the most in our, in our world right now is Winton. I mean, there's so many things that Winton does to help people that nobody knows. And there's so much, I mean, he is the face of an entire music. Good or bad, I don't care if you, if you don't like him, that's fine. It's, it doesn't matter what he is is this space of 
of, of, a, of a vision and he's lived his vision. I mean, it's amazing, right. but Clark, Clark was that. But the thing I love about Clark and we get so serious, especially now it's even more of a challenge in some ways when you're on this thing and you're playing it and playing it and playing and playing and playing, and you're going to get this, maybe we'll all be coming out of this as like this ridiculous technical mofos that, that you, that are going to scare the world, but we're going to forget the, the principle of what we do. And you said artist, and I think artist is a perfect word. I'm going to take it one step further and it's like entertainer. We're still entertaining. You walk into a concert with like Oscar Peterson or Clark Terry or, you know, Eric Clapton, or you name like an elite level artist. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like they broke the mold for these people. You walk into one of their performing spaces. Now it could be every day Yo-Yo Ma's playing something. I mean, and it's like, that, those are maybe three of the best minutes you'll get every day just by watching him in front of his bookcase playing. And But he's giving you something. The thing that great entertainers do is they make you forget about what's happening in your world. And they hopefully, we can hope, leave you positive and and for a bad worst term jazzed up but but like excited post-concert where yeah. they're feeling like there's this level of joy exuberance you want to run to your instrument and practice or you're just so like the weight of daily life has been lifted and that's what clark did that i find very few people do and one of the missions in my life even though i'll never do it and never get there again is to be able to enrich people the way he did for me so thank you yeah. but and if you have if you aren't you're you've never seen clark terry play there's a, a literal smorgasbord of ridiculousness on youtube now that's the scary thing we're locked into our our basements practicing but here's the thing there's so much out there that you can click on and you can learn and then yeah then you pick up your horn and you say oh i can play that solo it doesn't sound that hard and play his solo to you know oscar pearson trio plus one he plays mac the knife where he does the what does he do hold on let me turn my talking mic off for a second um oh no it's the wrong mic Oops. is like the stuff I haven't warmed up. So it's like, yeah. but bring it 16 times in a row. Perfect. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that it, I, I just loved watching, you know, I, I, and again, I'm giving away my age, but I remember watching him on the tonight show mm -hmm. so many times. Right. Um, and just a one, um, you know, it, it was always inspiring as, as a, as a player, but just the joy that you oh. you heard in his sound, yeah. uh, his phrasing, the the smiles that we could have when he wasn't playing—it was just yeah. It, no, it's a, he loved life. I mean, and it's I mean it's very clear that he loved life. It's like this sort of you know, it's just you know that's the way we should be. You could you can half empty, half full. I'm not saying there are times in my day that I'm definitely half empty. I mean, if you talk to my wife upstairs, she'd be like, man, you're totally empty right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but that's still the reminder of like, Hey, one pay it forward. Cause he, he never charged me once for any lesson I ever took with him. Never. Sometimes I had to pay him in a bottle of dry sack, which was, um, I don't know if you know what dry sack is. Do you know what dry sack is? 
No, I do not. It's awful. <laughs> it's like a it's like a dry sherry. Oh. And so Ick. so what you know like uh, eventually his diabetes got so bad you couldn't do that for him. Mm-hmm. But um, when I first started hanging with him, he goes, "Okay, kid," you know, and I wasn't even, I wasn't even old enough to buy booze. I my lesson fee was a bottle of dry sack. Now he gave you two cups, and he poured your cup, then he poured his cup, and I nursed that cup the entire night because I was like, I do not want to get a refill of this. Right. <laughs> awful. But that was his drink. So I think I still at the shop, I still have a bottle of dry sack just, just there. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. One of, one of my martial arts teachers, actually, um, he was, uh, we were at a, at a event somewhere and he's like, uh, Hey, I want you to come up to my room. Uh, we, we were more like almost like, uh, compatriots. We were, we were sure. you know, both, both teachers and, and, uh, he, but he wanted to share some information with me and he's like, come on up to my room. Uh, I'm going to teach you something that I, I don't teach a whole lot of people. And, uh, he goes, I'm going to teach you the most important lesson too. I'm like, okay, well, he shows me the stuff. And then he's like, okay, here's the most important lesson his students brought in a bottle of wild turkey 101 oh yeah he said never charge money but always get a drink so <laughs> and it's funny though i had lessons with bobby shoe and i did pay bobby i remember but i i do remember him i didn't bring any booze for him but i do remember back in the day bobby drank in one lesson like two or three bottles of wine fairly impressive actually so um, yeah well but uh Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, uh, I'm I, not I, condoning this, folks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I, condoning yeah. this. My trumpet professors uh, actually, uh, a lot of times, they would have to do hard narcotics during my lessons just to just to wow. get through it. It was they they were so bad. So that's the only way they were going to survive. So when I was I joined my first road band uh, when I was like 18. I was like sort of in, it was um, freshman year of college, and uh, I I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I definitely didn't do any of the the other stuff, which I still, thankfully, I don't do. Um, and I just remember there were distinct levels of the bus. You walk in the front <laughs> yeah. of the bus, they were the cigar smokers, okay? Which is a terrible place for a cigar yeah, smoker. Yeah, yeah. And although I, I don't mind cigars, but just if you're not a cigar person. Oh, right, right. So then you walk like a few rows in, then there were the raging alcoholics. Um, in other words, it's 7 a.m., we're, we're leaving, we're doing 400 mile trip to the next town. And the moment the, the, the bus door closes, you hear, um, so there's those guys. Then you had the, the herb people, we'll call them, the herbivores. Yeah. Then in the fur back, you had real hard stuff. There was still hard stuff going on. Yeah. The nineties, I guess. So, right. um, to the point where like we were crossing the border once in Canada and, we had to like flush everything down the toilet sort of Ugh. stuff. Like, yeah, not me though. I was, I was, I was sitting near the smokers and right before the, the boozers and got my headphones on and I'm transcribing Freddie Hubbard. So and that was, that was your drug of choice. Freddie's oh, yeah. Freddie's a good drug yeah. of choice. So, and you know, we, we talked about earlier, you know, you, you're originally from uh, New England and, yes. and now you're out in, in the Midwest. So what created this transition for you? My wife works in the government and I could tell you what she does, but then I'd have to kill you. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Right. I'm kidding. Um, she actually is an archivist and uh, there was a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm very fortunate that my shop has grown to the point where we could basically be anywhere because we're mostly mail order. Um, 
And Boston's an extremely expensive city, first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of an overpriced city. As much as I love it, it's just overpriced. Um, so there was that. And we had, you know, we had skimped and saved and we bought a place that was as close as that we could be to, for my wife's work. And some days it would take her two hours each way to commute. So mm. we're like, this is, this is crazy. This is not a way of, right. of living. It really isn't. So we started examining like other areas, but I wanted her to stay where she is. And she's an archivist in a presidential library. And um, the Truman Library came up and I was like, Kansas City? Uh, Kansas City. I remember going, you know, playing here back. I played with Natalie Cole in Kansas City like long time ago. And uh, long, long time ago. I remember they were like, don't leave your hotel room. It was a really, really rough town. And there's still places in the town that are quite rough. But um, when we came down like four, maybe three or four years ago to look at the city, I fell in love because there's so much music, so much great food. Um, People are really warm, nice, kind. I mean, it's like, it's a welcome breath of air uh, versus like the people in the cities like New York and Boston. Although times like now change will change that, you know, where people realize that, hey, slow down. I can have some respect for, for these people and their spaces. Um, so one of the things that we decided was to move. Um, uh, so her commute went from at least an hour each way, if not more, for 13 miles, by the way. It's not like we yeah, do. Yeah. It's not, it's not like <laughs> right. a 50 mile drive. Right. It's 13 miles. And now her commute's nine minutes. Well, now her com- now all of our commutes are zero. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, but uh, but she's working upstairs. She's um she's in charge of the Harry S. Truman uh, YouTube channel. So if you ever like, and it had nothing. So one of the cool things that what she does is she's really into modernization of libraries. And this library, which is getting completely overdone, um, was very much stuck into 1975 or 1980, just mm-hmm. because that was where it was. Right now it's getting to be much, it's going to be reopened in the fall and it's going to be all new and all modern. And so that's really cool. So that's one of, that's the reason why we moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for we move for moving. Although I miss my friends. I miss my family. I miss seafood, like mad um, barbecues. Great here. Uh-huh. Barbecue is really <laughs> great here. A little too great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah um but um i miss those parts i miss the ocean i miss the ability to like and we lived like a mile from the ocean and i could see it on one of our morning walks with our dogs but i never really really enjoyed it um but then when you're in out in the midwest you don't see it but um but i'm fortunate because if i had my business and my house and my mortgage still at the boston prices i don't know i honestly don't know uh, if we would have been, I mean, still, it's, I mean, still too early to tell, but so far we're, we're, we're okay. Yeah. Um, it's just, there wouldn't be no way. Because right. I mean, my rent here for my shop is 35, the 35% of the cost. And I have dear friends that have shops in, in bigger metro, you know, you know, cities, you know, yeah. LA or New York or, yeah. you know, you know, like Atlanta. And I'm like, man, and they're like, yeah, we don't know. I, yeah. Of course, we all don't know. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, I'm, but I'm very thankful for the fact that, you know, we are here now. Yeah. Although a little scared because my folks are still far away. 
Not right. that I could see him anyways, but now yeah. it's like if something happened. So, yeah. Anyways, sorry, that was a little <laughs> darkness. That no, cool. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you the question, chowder or uh, barbecue? Barbecue. But um, lobster. And so when I was a kid, my grandfather, who's still alive, actually, he's 94 or 95, um, the oldest resident in his town in Maine, um, up to about four years ago, was still pulling traps. Really? Oh, hard ass. Total, total hard ass. Nice. But, um, so we used to have lobster all the time and I used to I actually didn't like it because it was like, oh, lobster. Right. In the original charter for the state of Massachusetts, I don't know if you know this, they said for the prisoners, give them lobster because it's plentiful and nobody wants to eat that. And now. And now that's a little bit different when you're paying $25 a pound or whatever craziness. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. But um, there is a red lobster right down the street. Don't worry, we're not. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're not going to go there. Go on there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not real lobster. So um, yeah, speaking of the shop, um, yeah. you know, you've uh, obviously you, you you cut your teeth as a as a player. You know, doing a lot of road stuff and and sure. stuff. Uh, so what got you into to selling? Well, um, one uh, one thing happened in high school. Uh, I'll tell you a quick little side story. My dad's an engineer. He's brilliant. He you know, like one, when he was in college, he built a car out of spare parts. He just sort of assembled, it was like a 39 Dodge, I think, or something. He'll probably correct me or 33 Dodge either way, but he was just, he's a brilliant dude. And I was practicing and I dropped my mouthpiece and the shank, the end shank got all crushed. So he's like, oh man, we could fix that. Let's just take a reamer and do, 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 do. And all of a sudden we had a short shank mouthpiece and it played a lot better. And I was like, cool so i started doing that for my friends in high school back in the day but then i went to music school then i started gigging and then i got and then i quickly well not quickly five six years into it i was like i gotta do something else i i love gigging i love making music but i hate being away from home mm-hmm. Just, I, uh you know like clark told me in the height of his teaching he would do 300 days on the on the road a year Wow. 300. 300. Ooh, that's a lot of holiday ins and, and days ins. So it's yeah. like, um, so one of the things I've always, like I said, I've always been a gearhead. Even, even in high school, I would like weld trumpets together and, you know, like take things out of the band room and fix them. You know, I'm, although I have very poor, like mechanical aptitude, really, quite honestly. Um, one thing I do love is being outgoing and people person but also using the ears to help people you know improve their um fun level that's more than anything is make make the torture tube um fun because it's they're tame you know everybody goes well there are days that are not fun i have fun almost every day on the trumpet it's like it really is and it's it's very meditative to me um so one of my the company that I play, I play Adams Instruments, and uh, I was an artist for them as a performing artist. Um, I ended up working a trade show, Midwest, it's out in Chicago. I know you, that's how we met, is that we we were hanging at one of the trumpet shows, maybe ITG. Yeah, this is the ITG, yeah. Um, and uh, so I was working that show for Adams, and I don't, other than them selling my horn to me, I don't think they had sold a horn in the United States. and. I think that show I sold like six horns for them and they were like, Oh, <laughs> you're kind of good at this. And I was like, yeah. I guess so. I don't know. It's like, this is fun. And they're like, 
we want to help you. And I was like, nah. And I said, if you open your shop, we'll give you exclusive of our brass. Now, their percussion side of Adams is huge. Timpani, marimba, things of that. And they're distributed through my friends at Pearl Percussion. Great company. Awesome company. Brass is still um, direct to dealer from the factory. So there's no U.S. distributor or anything like that. Um, so I was the only way you could get an Adams for a few years. And so that actually just sort of springboarded my company. While doing that, I had interest in designing and making mouthpieces. I... Um, I got really into uh, CAD software, which is the, the drawing part of the, the mouthpiece and uh, started doing a lot of designs. Back, I told you a few minutes ago, I'm not really mechanically inclined. I, I started making mouthpieces on a small metal lathe and um, they were okay. Then I sent out stuff to a few machinists to, to make for me. In fact, a mutual friend, Terry, makes some of our mouthpieces for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that's how the shop sort of started, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I find it interesting. I, I know that uh, your website lists you as being a, a Renaissance man, which. Uh, uh, right. That, that's, and then I did another podcast <laughs> recently and I said, oh, my bio writer. I, and that was like the worst mistake of my life. These guys for a half hour just kept on pounding that, beating me up. Well, uh, yeah, but but here's the thing. I mean, I I, I have that that tag as well uh, because right. of the things that I do. Yeah, you know, I, so, you know, so many so many different things. But yeah, it it really makes sense because you know you you obviously have the the skills as a as a performer. Uh, you have the the uh, skills as an educator, and having having the shop and you know promoting the the mechanical side and developing your own stuff. Right. I mean, it just absolutely makes sense. Uh, so, you know, I definitely oh. can understand why, why that's part of you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I don't know if it's the, I don't know. Honestly, it's like, that's the other thing that's been kind of, for me, it's been fun a little bit. Although, you know, I don't, I definitely don't like not being able to work. work. Mm -hmm. um, but I've really enjoyed practicing again. And I've, I, I, I haven't practiced as much in a long time. And it's like to the point where like, oh, the trumpet feels kind of good. Like what's going on? You know, like, and people watching the videos I post, they're like, wow, you sound really good. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm practicing again, I guess. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. That's the, that's the good thing. I picked the trumpet because it had three valves. Be that challenging, right? Come yeah, on. I made I made the exact same mistake. <laughs> well, at first I wanted to play drums. Uh, same here. To play drums, and my dad was like, "No, the drums are way too loud." And then I wanted to play saxophone, but the saxophone was too expensive in the rental. So then I went to trumpet. Yeah. Trumpet so my scared me. I was like, "Man, that thing is weird." But uh, yeah, yeah. My story was uh, I wanted to play drums. My dad was a music. He, well, he was a, a minister at the time, but he uh, was originally a, a, a musician. And he's like, "No, I want you to play a, a real musical instrument." So that that's where I, I got my. Uh, Damn. My, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. But uh, 
then I, you know, I wanted to play sax, but there's too many keys, the trombone. Right. I couldn't figure out where the hell the notes were. And I was like, trumpet, <laughs> three notes, three keys. Eh, How you know, going to be? How yeah. hard going to be? I mean, yeah. To the point where you get a four valve and you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. But it's, it's, you know, it, it is a challenging instrument. And, uh, but to me, what, I mean, regardless of whether it's trumpet or, or right. piano, uh, or, you know, it, you know, anything, uh, graphic arts, writing, whatever you're doing to reach any level of skill takes, takes a commitment. And there's Absolutely. always going to be, there's always going to be those times that, uh, are not the most fun, but like you said, you have the ability to make it fun that there's a, a quote that, uh, there's a guy that I, I follow, a business guy, Ed Milet, and he talks about uh, uh, being uh, comfortably uncomfortable. Mm, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know. So, uh, bl- actually, he calls it blissfully dissatisfied. Yeah, that's so a great. That's a great term. I mean, I absolutely, you know, like this whole thing about like what you're talking about. It's like when people, you have to have that. You have to have that anxiousness that's one of the things that i i'm i'm truly confident that will survive like my company will survive and well it might it might change the scope yeah. of the company might change of course but we'll still be fine the reason for that is i think we're highly adaptable and we're willing to to be on that you know you're staring and there's a cliff straight down and you're like oh sh- and you're willing to dangle your foot to, to know that you're still safe, you're still safe. So um, because we we sort of pivoted away from the typical school school band rental model of a music store, um, we're more of a pro shop and we're very specialized. I mean, we don't do you think of take the whole take the whole world of musical instruments, um, guitars, p- drums, piano, and bass. Take those. That's 50% of your market. Right. And you add the strings and things like that. And we get to the trumpet and it's like three or four or 5% max. Yeah. It can't be more than 5%. It's probably more between two and 3% of the overall marketplace. Of that, I'm trying to fight with all the other competitors, just like people who are gigging musicians are now in the pool fighting with all the other musicians. The, the thing that you have to quickly realizes like how do you stand out so people one trust you which hopefully i think that's the one of the big yeah. things that i will tell anybody we're very transparent but people i think it's all about trust you know they, they believe what we say and we are not people that bs and sugarcoat i'm sorry there, there's too many of those people in our industry right that unfortunately and they take advantage of those people um but two is that everybody in my shop is a great musician um so while that doesn't necessarily lend them to being better salespeople, when they're on the phone or when they're talking to a customer the customer hopefully will believe them because they have real world experience yeah well, you're you're absolutely right with that because um, you know they like uh, there's the old saying about you know your 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 chops will get you the gig, but it's your your personality and work ethic that'll keep it for you. It's the same thing with with the business side of things, like with sales. That you know you can have really great product, 
Uh, you can you can have the best prices, whatever. But what's going to keep your customer is the quality of care that you provide for them. When you develop that really good relationship where they know they can trust you, yep. uh, and that, yet, that you're not going to bullshit them, and that I that's have, I don't have time for bullshit. I mean, I, I honestly don't. So it's like you know, because I'll take one product in my line that I'm I'm that I know, and it's our top selling line. It's made in China, and we 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 tell people. They, they go, well, this horn is $600. How can you sell it for $600? And I'm like, well, okay, we get it from China and it's much lower labor cost. Would we rather sell American or European or products? Of course, but we're providing a service for people that might not be able to get it. And it's a good product. And I know the same exact thing that's branded three or four or five different, well, it's actually not the same because then we work on the horn. Um, but it's a sim- it's made by the same factory but they tend to leave the pro- problems from that instrument into it. And they sell it for two, three, four times as much. And it's like, hey, my biggest thing is when I put my head on the pillow, I sleep pretty well in general because I don't want to feel like I'm the guy that's, you know, putting the clear coat undercoat on your car. If you know the reference from Fargo. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> You know, you should. So, but we're not that, and we'll never be that. Uh, I'm sorry. So people say to me, like, well, you know, what's the, what's the big deal about your mouthpieces? And I was like, well, this is the concept that I have. This is the way I present them. Well, but you got to have a selling point. You got to have like a, a pitch or a hook. And I'm like, okay. I, I mean, I could tell you what every percentage point of any radius in my Side the mouthpiece, but I don't feel like you need that. I feel like you knew, you do. There are certain things that you do need to know, but that's why we guide you through them and we help yeah. you with them, and we don't charge for consultations and things like that. It's like I just don't. You you've taken the effort to one either call us or set foot in our shop, and that in itself is like the most marketable commodity that anybody has. The the biggest commodity is their time, and you just you just dedicated your time to us, we're going to hopefully serve you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great attitude to have. Uh, you mentioned earlier that your dad was uh, uh-huh. an engineer. Yep. Uh, any other, uh, any musicians in your family? Not really. Um, my dad um, didn't play at all. My grandmother, she played violin and piano. My mom didn't really play an instrument, but she sang. Um, and uh, I believe my mom has like, good pitch recollection not necessarily perfect but really solid relative pitch um my sisters both played so we were in that generation you know where we you know we were you know in the band program and fortunately for us our band program where we grew up because it was central maine there was really nothing else um band program was very popular um my sister my oldest sister played the clarinet and um she was fine but she you know, didn't take music as a profession, although, you know, her, she's very prom- promotive to her daughter, um, who's singing and acting and playing clarinet and piano. And my middle sister, my older sister, was very skilled musician, but, you know, she's now, she's now kind of on the front lines. She uh, works for the VA and, and is doing amazing work, especially now. It's like one of those things. It's like, that's another thing. You like kind of look at yourself and you go, man, you know, it's cool that I own my shop, but these people are doing stuff that's changing the world. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're saving people's lives. It's like, it's, it's one of those things that you start 
you start, you start saying, man, maybe I haven't really invested myself to the point where I can make the world a better place. And these people, like my sister, are truly making the world a better yeah. place because she's saving lives. I mean, it's like, what? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you on that, Trent, because I, I, my wife, my wife is a nurse. Mm. And so she's on the front line. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's dealing with the, with that stress. And, and I just recently got out of the hospital. I uh, had some, some surgery they had to go through. And it was interesting for me to be there and to see uh, firsthand what the nurses were doing for me to have her come into the hospital when she wasn't working to take right. care of me. And, and knowing right. the dynamics and knowing how that transitions into home life and all that stuff. Right. So uh, you know, it gave me a whole new appreciation of what you did. Yeah. However, uh, you know, and, and I go through this as well with the stuff that I do. And uh, sometimes I doubt myself and I doubt my contribution to the world. And I, I feel like, you know, there's something inside me that wants to make a huge yes. change. But, you know, it, it's like, but I still had the part of me that says, you know, well, you, the way you do it is you do it one life at a time. Right. You know, you. Well, of course. But what I what I'll say to you, life, of course. Yeah, I, I know where you're going. But uh, but what I'll say to you is that particularly now, I think this has become very very clear, is that what people are relying on. Obviously, we got our first responders. You know, the yeah. the hospital people and and even mm -hmm. you know the grocery store people. You know, oh, have a whole new respect right? for that. But but artists. You know, what are people relying on to get them through this time? They're relying on artists, they're relying on musicians, they're relying on actors and authors and things like that. Yeah. And sometimes we don't take, uh, you know, when you have that vision of wanting to make the world a better place, sometimes it's easy to, to miss the impact that what you do has on people. So... Well, I had this conversation with a friend yesterday on Facebook. He was really, I mean, he's, in, he's a trumpet player in New Orleans and it's like, he's like, he's struggling. I mean, I told him, I was like, dude, we're all struggling. We're all struggling. But I was like, and he's like, oh, I don't have the gear to record. I don't have the setup. I was like, you know what, dude? You post a video on your phone and that will brighten, I guarantee you, way more people than you'll ever think. Even if it brightens one person's life, you might have for three minutes taken them away from the chaos. And then it, if you really need something, what you need to do is make yourself a big ass mouthpiece. So when the zombies come, you're ready. You can, you can, you can, you can crush them. That was, that was the birthday gift from my employees to me. Very nice. How cool is that? I mean, and it literally, it has my logo. I don't know if you can see that. I can see that. And, and, it's, and the cup and the backboard. Are they saying that your ego was so large that you needed to have a mouthpiece that big? To be okay, now you got to take it there. So. <laughs> no, that's right. When the zombie, HR? yeah, HR. Wait, when the when I the zombie apocalypse when the zombie apocalypse comes, I want to make sure I'm behind the trombone players. Yeah. <laughs> But in front of the horses. So. Uh, that's true. Very true. All right. Well, I'm going to do something here with you, Trent. Um, I don't know uh, if you've uh, ever done anything out of the Nagel Speed Studies. That was a book that I... Oh, yeah. I, I remember yeah, that book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those crazy fingering things. Sure. So we're going to have our own version of Nagel Speed Studies. This is going to be a speed round. Okay. So I'm going to throw out the... And then just like with speed studies, you don't know where they're going next. So... <laughs> you, you gotta, you, you, you've got to be really careful here now. So. It, well, that's true. So I'm just going to throw some questions uh, to sure. you, and they're going to be all over the place. Uh, give me your quickest answer. Okay. Uh, first one, biggest influence on your life that is not 
a trumpet player? Oh, that's not a trumpet player. Um, Dave Ramsey, maybe? Okay, very cool. Uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book, that, that is a challenge. Um, Don't say Arbenz. I love, and I read it all the time. The great thing about it, it's not really a book book. It's more, it's Miles' autobiography, mm -hmm. uh, Quincy Troop book. Um, I love that book because you can literally just open it up anytime and you can read it. And it's just like you jump into his life, which, and it makes you feel really normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Cabin Boy. That's an easy one. Okay. Chris Elliott. Don't watch it. <laughs> I, I will not watch it. Uh, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to do? I really would love to be a pilot, but I can't see. Um, I wanted to play baseball. Um, when I was young and I met Ted Williams when I was in high school. I mean, it was like all these things, but uh, this body is not a baseball body. Maybe, maybe 35 years ago, but uh, not today with all the, the amazing athletes. But yeah, if, but I would actually try to probably be into sports in some way, either be like maybe broadcasting or um, just working at the park. I mean, like, I think it'd be cool. Like a couple of years ago, my wife, who's an archivist, was interviewed, not interviewed, but she saw there was a job posting to be the Red Sox archivist. Oh. Uh, like, oh my God. I was like, you have to, you have to do that. But no. So. Okay. Uh, favorite drink? Oh, um, we're talking alcoholic? Uh, anything. Uh, okay. Non-alcoholic peanut butter milkshake. Um, oh. that's, a, that's a solid uh, coffee. I use, uh, I, I'm very particular about my coffee. Um, cause I would not survive otherwise. Uh, there's a great company in Ann Arbor, Michigan, who actually, I got one of their, their, the ways to re relate to customers from, um, it's called Ruse Roost. And the thing that, uh, I will say, this is a tip for any business people out there. Um, we bought a $20 order of coffee one day and they sent a handwritten thank you card. Mm. And I w and I'm sitting there drinking my coffee and it's the best coffee. I mean, it really is fantastic. It's a uh, French roast. Um, and I'm like, this is a tiny little order. Now we sell, you buy an Adam six quarter tuba, $25,000. Thank goodness we play trumpet. But I'm thinking, why are we so lazy? So every order you buy a, you buy a $5 bottle of valve oil. There's a handwritten card in that box. Because it's something that, I mean, and we have, we actually have a whole bunch of technological advancements in that regard as well that I know a lot of other companies don't do, but still it's that, that tangible thing that you can touch, you can read, you take the time to do it. It takes 30 seconds. Yeah. It's yeah. stupid not to. Um, my favorite um, drink drink. Uh, and thank goodness for this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, good Irish whiskey or bourbon. So Ah, very good, very good. All right, uh, you could have a dinner party. Yep. With three, any three people alive today. Who Elon would those Musk. people be? Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. Um. Barack Obama. Hmm. Okay, that would be an interesting dinner party. You, you better believe it. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think uh, Obama and, and uh, MJ would probably be dueling it out on the court. So. I don't know. I mean, it's like, I think, I think Obama now is pretty chill. So yeah, 
All right. So he, let, he, he earned it. Yeah, yeah. He did. So let, let's 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 do the same party, but uh, any three people from history. Oh man. Whoa. Can Beethoven hear? That's a good question. So if not, Bach. <laughs> um, Charlie Parker. And probably Gandhi, you know, and for real. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, That's an. E I mean, it's kind of an easy one, but yeah. Okay. All right. Lacquer, plated, or raw? Uh, oh, if if your maker is good, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, and with today's modern technologies, um, uh, it it matters less. Uh, for me, this is an easy one for me because. Um, I don't know if you could see if I can get it on. Oh, no, it's a little blurry, but I'm a, I was playing this mouthpiece. This is actually one of Clark's mouthpieces, by the way, which is pretty cool um, that he gave me like 20 years ago or something. That's a silver plated mouthpiece, but I'm allergic to silver and gold. It's kind of a rare combination. A lot of people are allergic to silver, but not gold. Right. Um, and how I realize that is like on my lip, it feels like when you burn your tongue, on a hot beverage. That's how it feels when I play a silver mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. So it'll get red. I used to wear a gold watch and just the, but just the head, the face will say was gold. And then I take the watch off and I'd have a bump. So it's, I don't know if it's contact dermatitis, but I've actually been tested and they said I have a intolerance. So such a great way of saying yeah. you're, you're allergic, dude. Yeah. Um, but you're uh, intolerant. I've always thought that about you. Trent. Yeah. Oh, in many ways. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, but um, if so, this horn, for instance, this horn, which is my primary horn, it's called Copernicus. You got to have a name for your horn, by the way. Now, it could be like my my friend John Kratzer calls his horn the sugar. So it's like, you know, this horn's so sweet. It's the sugar. But um, oh, I wish I had thought of that. But it's copper plated, which so it's a beautiful horn. Right. Copper and the copper does stuff, but it's lacquered on top. So. <laughs> Raw brass, I hate because it makes your hands smell. I mean, that sounds stupid, but um, acoustically, raw brass and gold plate are probably the two best. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. That was a longer answer. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, we just lost 400 people. They just all <laughs> fell asleep. So. Well, you know, you know how gearheads are. Oh, you know, they've probably been waiting for that all like, show long. Yeah, they're like, what the hell? Do you guys talk some Trumpet stuff? Yeah. Why are you talking about Michael Jordan? I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, by the way, your... oh, here's a great book. I've okay. got a great book recommendation for anyone out there. Speaking of Michael Jordan, it's a book called Relentless. Um, I think uh, David Glover, I'm not sure on the exact last name. It's somewhere in my house. It was written by MJ and Dwayne Wade's uh, trainer. Oh, It's an amazing book. And it's a great book to, to read now about drive and passion, especially if you're, if anybody's you know, not feeling it right now, which is, hey, if we don't have a gig, it's a really hard time to sort of stay motivated. Right. Um, one thing that I've been doing to stay motivated is play violin etudes, and that'll motivate you because trumpet stuff's not so hard when you play a violin piece. But check out that book. That's not my top book, but um, that is uh, definitely a great book. And I love reading books on business and, and uh, bio biographies as well. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's your favorite quote? That's an easy one. I'm going to take it a different direction. 
Uh, that's a good quote. I like that one. Charlie <laughs> Parker. No, 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 no. Um, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite quote is easy. It's a Clark Terry quote. If you if you actually mean a term, um, imitate, assimilate, innovate. You know, I use that one a lot. I mean, that's it's like we for, you know you you want to like get to the John Coltrane level, but you listen to there's a great box set of Coltrane, and there's a clip of him playing in the Navy band on alto, and he's playing Hot House, and he sounds like a really bad watered down version of Bird, and like three years later he's playing at Dizzy's band, and there's that famous picture of Bird and Diz at Birdland, and off to the side is is Train. He's yeah. in that picture, really. Although you only see you only see Bird and Diz. If they, it, there are versions where you see Train, and he's like staring at them, like. So it's one of those things that you know people yelled at Miles for, you know, having Train in his band. They couldn't understand what he was doing, and yeah, maybe he was, at times in the early, I mean, in his early career, he was stumbling bumble. But there were my three greatest jazz musicians. And I don't even think you can debate this, to be honest, are Louis Armstrong, duh, you know, the greatest of all time, you know, um, Charlie Parker and John Coltrane. Those are the, those are the big three. I mean, and if you wanted a Mount Rushmore, you can add Miles because of all the things that Miles did past even just music, but um, in, imitate, assimilate, innovate and you can hear these great musicians there's a great um three trumpet battle in 1948 metronome all-stars dizzy miles and fast navarro mm. and they're trading and and miles talks about it in his biography but everybody wanted to sound like dizzy so they start trading and it's you you even with miles it's really hard to tell the three apart yeah now i could tell miles because he has a sweeter sound and i could tell fats because he's cleaner than dizzy Fats mm -hmm. was an incredible trumpet player. That's Clifford Brown's idol. Um, but they're all trying to sound like Dizzy. Right. So it's like, but you know, don't worry about the innovative state. Who knows when anybody will truly innovate, but you definitely need to, I can't tell you, man, like I would have students come in and they'd be like, check this out. This is so great. And they'd play a line. I was like, oh, that sounds like Charlie Shavers from 1939. And they're like, who's Charlie Shavers? And I was like, that's cool. I play it and then they get really depressed. <laughs> no. like, Who's this cat? So. Yeah. Well, I used to use that uh, even in my martial arts studio. Right. I used to use that that phrase a lot, you know. And it's it's the yeah, you, you learn through imitation. That's how we're we're built to learn. You're and, showing they do. Right? Yeah, and then the assimilation that's that's making it part of who you are. Right. But that's the thing is that once it gets to that point when something is truly assimilated and is part of who you are, you cannot help but to innovate, right? You actually have to hold innovation back. So yeah, I, I, I love that quote. I, yeah. I want to get that on a shirt. Oh yeah. You, you'd sell at least five copies. I mean, it's I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Okay. Yeah, moving on. Uh, what's your biggest fear? Hmm. I don't really have, I'm, this might sound bad, but I don't really have fears. Uh, you know, cause I've failed so many times. Okay. I will say uh, my biggest fear is not being able to provide for my employees. That's probably my biggest fear, especially during now. Okay. Um, cause I don't, I mean, Hey, fine. But they have to come first because they're the lifeblood of my shop. They're the ones that are, well, I get to do all the cool things like this. They're, 
they're doing inventory. They're on the phones. They're tracking down orders. They're doing, they're doing all the grunt work, you know, that, that I don't, they're boxing up stuff. They're cleaning stuff. They're doing, you know, it's like, it's so wonderful to finally see, you know, you know, doctors and nurses getting actual, you know, praise, you know, we take these people so much for granted. I mean, it's like, and you know, like, it's one of those things that it's like, if that's my fear, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't like to be fear. Yeah. I, I, and I don't like fear-based practice. I don't like any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. If you can't do it today, don't think about what it's going to be six months from now. Just do it. Very good. All right. You could only have one superpower. What would it be? I have thought about this. That's why it's, it's, um, I would think it's a tie. It's either a tie between the flash and, you know, like the super speed or flying, you know, then, you know, life would be a lot simpler if you just get up and you grab your case and fly to a gig. Yeah, exactly. So seriously, you know, and if you, if you scheduled the breaks, right, you could actually do two gigs at the same time. Yeah. But you know how fast, if you could have super speed, you know how fast you could play on a bandstand? It's kind of, think about it. Hey. Like, you know, Cherokee 700. Yeah, so. let's do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Here's a two-part question. Okay. First one. What aspect of trumpet playing do you think is underrated? Tone production. Everybody's so concerned with their damn technique that nobody is, not nobody, but most people aren't trying to, and this is coming from an improvising perspective. Okay. What makes Clark Terry so unique? Two things, his tone and his articulation. And sometimes those go hand in hand. Freddie, same thing. Clifford, same thing. Lee, same thing. You know, Pops, Roy, all these great innovators. One, you could tell the highest compliment I could ever give any musician. I can tell they're playing in two or three notes. Think about Winton. I mean, come on. There are a lot of people that bash Winton's sound. And I'm just like, well, they're jealous. They're insecure. (laughs) He's done all the work. They haven't. Yeah. But he has developed a completely unique and beautiful concept of what he wants to portray through his instrument. It's like, are you kidding? That's like the, that's the, that's the height of the, the mountain. Yeah. It's like okay. we give a give Jimi Hendrix guitar to a kid. Are they gonna sound like Hendrix? Because it's his guitar? I don't think well they might. Well, what what's the stringing? What's going on? But so that's that's definitely my number one. Take okay. time for tone. I mean, seriously, think about what you want to sound like. Then you have to cater your whole practice routine to help develop that. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. Cool. All right. What do you think of the most overrated aspect of trumpet playing? Multiple tonguing. Because if you think about it, I mean, as an improvising musician, I never have to double tongue. Uh, as an 80, 85 to 95% of wind band music, unless it's a fast march, single tongued. So I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but I think if, if you look at the Arben book, he kind of sort of put it there. I mean, this text is like full of like tonguing exercises. And then there's 20 pages on double tonguing. It's not, it's only like 
stressed because it's familiar or unfamiliar. Playing in C versus playing C sharp. You know, when Alan Vizzuti was a kid, he learned a double tongue and single tongue at the same time. So for him, it's, there's no limit because it was just like another thing to do. Yeah. We make it this new thing. So then we spend, okay, kid, go practice an hour on double tongue. Well, if you only practice one hour once every week or whatever, fine. If you have music, they have to do it. Then you build it into your practice routine. So you then approach it to like in a pragmatic way. So kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, wow. I'm double tongue. Congratulations. So, yes. Okay. Oh, cool. All right. Double tongue with a terrible tone. Guess what? Yeah, yeah. It's not going to matter. Not going to matter. All right. Um, what advice would you give your younger self about music? Slow down. Easy. From the flash? The flash is saying to slow down? Yeah, I know, right? It's so do as I say, not as I do. Um, no, when I was young, I played a lot. I, was a, I played 12, 14, 15 hours a day in college, literally. I had a key to the music building I could get in at any time. I don't think that's probably allowed anymore, but this was a different time. Um, but I never really practiced. And, I, and I'm a huge fan of slow fractional practice, what I call it. You know, I can't play this Caprice right now. Well, if I play it at one eighth the tempo and sound really good, then it's just a matter of time before I shrink the distance between the phrase and it will speed up. But if I never sound good at the very beginning of my playing, guess what? You're now ingraining that to, to not sound good. So yeah, slow the f down. So meet right. Samuel L. Jackson to yes. say that. Yeah, exactly. Get Sam to say. So, uh, so we, we got the question about, about uh, music, but if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give yourself about life? Listen, I mean, it's, uh, again, you know, like I, when I, I, even now it's like, what's the, you know, when Stephen Covey's book, right? I mm -hmm. mean, seek first to understand and then be understood. <laughs> it's completely applicable, but we're trumpet players. It's a very egocentric instrument. We're driven. We are possessed about being at the top of the mountain. And in some ways, that's a really great thing. Um, the Darwin and you know, Darwinism, oh, see, I can't even say it. You probably could say it better than me. Darwinian. Darwinian, yeah. That's, oh, I love that movie with, uh, uh, wasn't that the movie that uh, David Bowie was in? Oh, wait, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that sort of nature of, you know, of survival of the fittest. But the thing I like about moving here, I will tell you one thing. When I first moved here, I was at the grocery store and I was just getting a small thing, you know, back in the days when toilet paper was plentiful on every shelf. <laughs> so, you know, it's just think of those days. <gasps> so, um, but I was at the register and the ladies ringing up my stub. Beep. Mm, that's a good thing. Where are you from? Beep. Had a, I had a Red Sox hat on, of course. So I said, oh, yeah. I live here now, but I'm, but I'm, I'm from Boston. Beep. Oh. Oh, what brought you here? Beep. And, you know, I own my wife's job and I own my own business. Not a big deal. Beep. So how do you like you here? And I'm like, and I, I said, listen, lady, I'm just here to buy my damn groceries. Stop. And then, you know, now I get it. You know, like people want to be a part of your life, even if it's that one time acquaintance that you, that you meet. 
slow down and listen to someone. Maybe you'll <laughs> learn the best story you've ever learned or the best life lesson because you're willing to listen and not just like, hey, man, check this out. This is the shit. So, yes. All right. Well, very good. Well, Trent. Yes, sir. As always, it is a pleasure talking with you. I, you know, I miss the real life hang. The, Soon. you know, Soon. it will happen. It will happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, sure. thanks so much for for your Thank time you. and your your inspiration. I mean, you you've been uh, an inspiration to me both in uh, the stuff that you've posted on your social media accounts, and obviously, anytime we do get to see each other, you know, you just Thank always uh, uh, bring a smile to my face and and you know, listen to you play. It's it's always like it's inspiring and challenging. So I'm you tired, know, just so, just um, keep it up, man. Keep on keeping on. That's another Clark. That's everybody out there. Keep on keeping on. Man. Keep on keeping on. So, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Follow what you're doing easy um you can obviously probably you can follow me on instagram just austin custom brass or facebook which is austin custom brass um you know i haven't delved in i started doing the snapchat and started I checking out tiktok but i'm an old fogey so i'm trying to see how relatable i can be to that but and of course you can just you know reach us anytime go to our site austincustombrass.com so. All right. All right. Well, thanks Thank again. Thank All right. So and best of luck to you, my friend. And uh, for everybody else, Please thanks thank for spending. Your wife. Please yep. thank your wife. You know, I will like, do that. Seriously. I mean, thank you so much. I will do that. So everybody, thanks for taking your time to be with us today. And as always, peace and slide grease. We are out. Ciao. Hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound, and I'll see you at the next hang.